Hello and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast with your host, Aoife O'Brien. The podcast for anyone who wants to be happier at work. We spend so much of our time at work. Everyone deserves to be happier at work. Welcome to episode two in the Happier at Work leadership series. I speak with Fiona English, who talks all about meaning and purpose in work. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Fiona, and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself to listeners? Sure. So um, thank you for having me. Um, My name is Fiona English um, and I suppose I am in the second phase of a career. Um, I spent the first 20 years of my working life working in asset management. Um, So I worked with um, on an equity desk, so um, involved with institutional clients globally in terms of how they were investing and allocating. So I did an awful lot of traveling, uh, working with big clients globally in terms of helping them to understand what investment trends were there and how we could help them to formulate and put together um, investment ideas um, and so forth. Um, And I did a lot, I suppose I traveled a lot for that. I spoke a lot of conferences on on these themes Um, and I always loved my job. So I'm I'm definitely not the person who changed career because she hated it. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed both the kind of the intellectual and variety that was linked to it, but also the the people contact that I had. Um, But I was always deeply interested in people um, and human potential in particular. Um, So I trained as a coach about four years ago. Um, and then went on to do a master's in positive psychology. Um, and within that, my research area, which I'm continuing now, um, was based around spirituality, meaning in life and authenticity. So big topics that you see um, spoke about um, a lot. So now what I do is I still do a little bit of uh, consultancy work, um, but I coach people. And also I do a lot of writing and speaking around the topics of what does spirituality mean in the 21st century? And out of that, um, meaning and purpose why we're looking for more of it and how companies can help in terms of helping to cultivate meaning and purpose in today's fast world Um, and then around authenticity as well. So what does it mean to show up uh, in the world as the the person that you are? So I suppose I do three main things, if you like, but migrating more and more all the time into my research areas and bringing that uh, to the public, either through my speaking work or or through my writing and consultancy work as well. Great. So let's dive right in. What does meaning and purpose mean? Mean. So um, I suppose to give a little bit of background, um, meaning within the research basically refers to how we make sense of our lives. Um, So traditionally, um, religion would have played a big part. And obviously this links why I have an interest in spirituality as well. Uh, Religion would have played a big part in helping us to create meaning in our life. So if you were involved within a religious community, which up to about 50 years ago, almost everybody was, they were helping you to create the narrative or the story for your life. Um, So there was kind of a predefined story for why are we here? Um, Why has this happened to me? Why am I struggling currently? Um, And as we've seen, um, I suppose, participation in religion fall, um, and also we have greater uh, focus within psychology on these topics, people are trying to make sense of their own meaning in their life. And so within positive psychology, we say that it has three elements and basically coherence. So how do I make sense of my life? And my core 
core goals or purpose. So what is the direction of my life? What are my goals in my life and how am I um, activating my meaning by creating purpose? Um, and lastly, what's growing is significance. And um, so how is my life significant? Um, and I think that we see with all the, I suppose, the, the discourse and the change globally, people trying to understand the significance of their life is probably driving some of the more political themes that we're seeing as well. Um, so, but I always say meaning in simple terms is what is the story of my life um, and how do I make sense as an individual um, of my life? Um, and it's ultimately around the narrative that you create for yourself. Um, so nobody else can give meaning to your life. You as Aoife or me as Fiona or whoever else is listening today has to be able to create meaning and have the tools to create meaning for themselves. Um, and meaning is a very universal theme. So we are meaning making um, species, if you like. And we're not happy just to have uh, day to day, everything's fine. We want to have a story. We want to have narrative. We want to understand how we fit into the, the, the greater universe or the greater world or the greater uh, society, depending on, on what you're most connected to. And um, so it's a very inher inherent human need, human need. So when it's absent, as we're starting to see now globally, that people are searching for meaning and purpose more, it has a real um, direct impact on our well-being. So for me, it's a, it's a very important thing and, and something I'm really anxious to see people be given the tools to, to create greater meaning. And some of that is just basically understanding what it is. And um, so before I started researching it, I wouldn't have been able to talk about it um, so freely. Um, but once you start to understand what it is, then you realize that you're in control of the meaning of your life. So. Fantastic. And I loved what you said about, you know, 50 odd years ago, religion held that really prominent position in a lot of people's lives, especially in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now we don't necessarily have as much of that anymore. And I, mm -hmm. I talked about this uh, exact thing last summer, actually, when I met up with a friend for a coffee and she sort of highlighted that um, it, it it could be related to the fact that we had religion to hold that mm -hmm. place all of those years ago and now we don't have. And is that the reason then, or I presume that that's the reason that it's sort of crept into the workplace and now people spend so much time at work and they're looking for that sense of meaning at work? Absolutely. And um, so what has happened is that, like, as you said, religion and obviously we're both Irish, so we've seen it. It's been quite pronounced here as well that religious participation um, has fallen. Now, regardless of whether you believe in a particular faith or you believe in a higher power, what religion always gave you was one meaning, but it also gave you belonging. So I fit into this community. I go here on a Sunday. Um, so I understand and have kind of um, a roadmap or a blueprint for my life. So as that's fallen, what we've created as a vacuum effectively. Um, so if you select to be spiritual but not religious, and I would consider myself to be that, additional responsibility comes with that because you have to start filling in the bits and pieces of your life that religion typically pay, played. And you're right, work now plays a much bigger role in our lives. So as a result, some of the responsibility for meaning has fallen on not only the individual, but on workplaces to provide greater meaning uh, within the work or true meaningful work. Um, and if they're not doing it well, um, that can have a knock-on effect on the individual because they can feel that they're showing up every day and you start having this, well, why am I here? Like, is there any purpose to my work? Um, 
And that we're seeing again in the rise of, um, I think millennials are great because they just demand what they want. Um, they're basically saying, well, I want to work for an organization that has meaning and purpose. So, so what's your purpose statement? So we're seeing this drive because there's a recognition if we're spending more and more time in the workplace, um, then we need to feel that that is meaningful in itself. Great. So you mentioned individuals and workplaces. So from the individual perspective, it's up to them to find their own sense of meaning for their life and make sense of it. And then from an organizational perspective, it's more about them creating that environment where people feel that sense of meaning. So how how do we go about actually doing that? Um, so I suppose there's two things. The, the first thing I would say is absolutely as an individual this lies with you as a starting point. So you have to understand how you create meaning in your life and start to develop a narrative around that. Um, so, for example, um, in Kabbalah, just to give an example of how religion plays a role in terms of how you do it, they always say, like, you know, you're creating the movie of your life and you get to be the, the lead star. You get to be the director, the producer, the whole lot. You get to choose who's in it, who's not. Um, and that's a, a really fun way, actually, to, to how do I create my life story and why has there been different participants or different, why have things happened to me along the way and how can I turn that into, um, I suppose, a, a story for growth for myself. Um, so the first, absolutely, meaning is, is at its most basic level individual. That said, organizations play a big role. So I always see organizations as playing two roles, one in terms of the work that we do and the culture that they provide. But secondly, and we're seeing this in the rise of the workplace well-being element, that work is starting to take over in terms of having too much emphasis in our lives. So there's an onus on organizations as well to ensure that people have enough downtime, that they are well paid enough to have a life outside of work, that we don't expect them to turn up for 60 or 70 hours a week. Um, because if they're doing that, they're going to look for more meaning in their work. And they're probably going to be disappointed by the level that they find. Um, so in the workplace, I think, yes, you have to create meaningful work, you have to have a vision, you have to have really strong leadership, but you also need to make sure that you are ensuring that your employees have satisfaction of life, that they have uh, enough time to cultivate a meaningful life. Otherwise, all of the uh, the pressure goes on the workplace to, to deliver the meaning that they're seeking. And honestly, I just think that that ends up being a disappointment for everybody, because if you're looking for all of the meaning of your life to come from one element in work, um, I think that you end up fatigued with work. I mean, it, it can result, result in greater burnout um, and you just end up disappointed. Um, so I think that we need to get that balance right by saying, yes, we understand that we, as say the leadership team, are responsible for making this more meaningful work. But we also need to make sure that people have enough of a life outside of work, that they're not placing all of their hopes and dreams on, on just one part of their life. That makes absolute sense. Um, so it's it's finding that I want to say balance, but actually I've learned a new term recently and that's harmony. So yep. a sense of work-life yeah, yeah. harmony. So work isn't the be-all and end-all. It's not everything. And it actually harmonizes with the rest of your life and it's not mm -hmm. impacting on it in a negative way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, I mean, that makes absolute sense. Now you mentioned like as a leadership team and given that this is part of the leadership series, it'd be really interesting to understand how, how as a leadership team, can people create that sense of meaning in work? Mm. So for me, all roads always lead back to leadership for me. So even when I'm asked to comment on, say, workplace well-being, I always think you can put workplace well-being um, 
initiatives in place, but the biggest impact on any employee is their direct manager. And then that just moves up the, up the, up the ladder then. And I would say the same thing around meaningful work and meaning in the workplace, that it all comes down to having the right leaders in place. And the days of having just in inverted commas managers is, is gone. People are looking for vision. They're looking to be inspired. They're looking for somebody who supports them. And so a number of things that, um, I mean, absolutely leadership development, needs to be front and, and centre of any, um, I suppose, meaningful work um, initiative that you have. Um, and the starting point for a lot of leaders is the understanding of self more. Um, I think that they have to understand what creates meaning in their life, what creates meaning in their work. Um, and then that will help them to create a culture in work uh, which promotes that and to understand that the people that are reporting to them have a life that is is outside of that as well. Um, um, outside of that, then also looking at strengths development. And um, so if you can align what your employees are doing, what, what they're really good at, immediately the work feels more um feels more uh, meaningful for them. And um, so people can get, you know yourself, and I'm sure you've had jobs or roles or even days in work along the way where you think, I hate doing this. I don't like it. I don't feel good at it, whatever it is. And um, so that's automatically going to decrease meaning for employees um, within it. So there are simple little things that you can do. But it's really, for me, I always go back and say, think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, your absolute starting point is that people should feel safe, safety in the workplace. They should feel like they belong. You should be paying them well. You should be making sure that they're not overworking. Before meaningful work can even come into play, all of those items have to be there. Um, so it really links back to culture again. What kind of culture um, are we creating here and how are we supporting the people that are turning up? Because if I don't feel safe, so I don't have a good manager, I don't feel safe when I walk into the workplace, if I don't get out my co-workers and I don't feel that I belong, if I'm not well paid enough, so money is not an issue for me. Um, and if you're making me work 60 or 70 hours a week, so I'm exhausted from my outside life, there is no ability to create meaningful work there because the other needs that I have have not been satisfied before we get there. And um, so it's, a, I suppose it's, it's looking at your workplace in a holistic way, rather than just going in and saying, which I've seen a number of companies do, Everybody wants us to have a purpose statement. So I'm going to write this purpose statement, but we're not going to live it. Um, so you really need to be looking at how are we supporting our workplace culture? And then what's the purpose of this organization? And how do we filter that down? So every single person in the organization, A, believes it because we, lead, we live it and our leaders um, are giving off that every day. Um, and then also, how are we connecting our purpose as an organization with you, Aoife, as an employee and the purpose of your particular role? There's so much there, Fiona, that I want yeah. to pick up on. <laughs> yeah, go for uh, it. Absolutely loved that. I suppose, I mean, I'll start by sharing my own experience. So you, you mentioned about, I'm sure there's been days or jobs that I've had where I think, I, what am I doing or whatever? And I definitely have had that. I suppose my own experience was linking back to what you talked about strengths. And I found in some roles that I had, I wasn't really working to my strengths at all. And hmm. that's where I... I suppose, came into difficulty, whereas like I have so much more to give than what I'm able to do in this role. And that is, I found it really, really debilitating. Um, so that's the kind of the one thing I wanted to, to share around that. Um, you mentioned about self-awareness, really, mm -hmm. and leaders being aware of themselves. And that's coming up again and again and again. And 
for me personally, I think that is key to being a good leader is understanding yourself and what Mm -hmm. drives you and what gives you meaning. Um, We talked about the strengths development and aligning your strengths. What I would add to that as well, and maybe we can talk about this in a bit more detail, is values, something Mm -hmm. that you haven't mentioned and it kind of ties in with the, the idea of culture and creating mm-hmm. a culture where people feel like they belong. And it, it's a safe culture, like you said. So creating that psychological safety, it's OK mm-hmm. for people to speak up. Um, and really, like for me, it's it, it starts with the leadership. So, you know, starting um, by defining what kind of company I want to work in, what gives me meaning as a leader and sharing mm-hmm. that with other people and you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, they're aligned with that as well. Mm-hmm. And they, and then hiring people into that organization who align with those values and meaning that you have. Mm-hmm. Do you want to yeah. talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, like, and when you say it, it sounds really simple, but you and I will both know, and I've seen it, that you go into organizations and then their leaders are just not up to what is required from a 21st century leader. I mean, your leaders are the, archety- the architects of your organization. So culture is a manifestation of leadership. It's not that you can have leaders and say, and then we're going to have this culture and create it. The people that walk into your organization and lead it every day, it's the collective person that they are is the culture because culture culture is just a corporate version of personality if you like and so absolutely your leaders are absolutely everything and what we've seen is we're having this shift and I don't think we've fully gone through it yet where traditionally you went into an organization you did well so we promoted you and we gave you two um, direct reports and then you did well again and we continue to promote you but you might be a terrible leader. So you might be really good at your job, but you might be a terrible leader. And what we're looking for now in the 21st century is real leaders. And leaders is about inspiration. It is about understanding and connecting with the people that are working for you. And um, it's around sense giving, if you like, um, shifting attention from um, what the concrete purpose is and how I can, as you said about strengths, how can I best use the strengths of the people that are working for me to deliver on the purpose of the organization, but also ensure that individually that they feel a sense of purpose as well. Um, so the requirements for a leader um, are, are much bigger than they would have been in the past. And it absolutely starts with who are you as a per- person and how are you developing yourself? Um, and I'm always so surprised when I pe- speak to people who are leaders and organizations and they don't have a coach I mean I I have a coach and I'm sure you do because you're a coach as well like you know so for unlocking who you are your own um sense of purpose your own uh, limiting beliefs which we all have and to helping you to navigate uh, business in a better way you need that support you need to be developing yourself all the time getting to know yourself in a better way and seeing your blind spots um and then you are an inspiration to the person, to the people around you, um, and you, they can follow you. They can come with you. Um, and it, for me, it's it's that level of leadership that we need within organisations today. If you're not doing that as a leader, you really have no business talking about meaning, meaning and purpose, because you have to be able to create it in your own life first before you can do it within an organisational construct. Absolutely, absolutely. Now. Something I want to pick up on there, and this I feel is coming up a lot for me recently, is the idea of being promoted. And like you say, you're good at your job, so you get promoted to the next level, and then you start managing people, and then you you, you do a good job, so you get promoted again. But really, like that's 
like from an individual perspective, that's what a career path looks like. And you've mm-hmm. made it when you start managing people. And when you start managing managers, that's when you've really made it. But actually, if we could think about work differently and think about finding that meaning and purpose in work, it doesn't mean that you have to become a manager because mm-hmm. managing people and leading people takes very, very different skills to having technical competencies or being able to sell something or whatever it is that you're really, really good at. Being a manager actually takes different skills. So Mm -hmm. if we think about work differently and provide opportunities for people to progress in an organization, because at the end of the day, we want to get paid more as we progress in our career, but how do you become more specialized without becoming a manager or a leader? Mm -hmm. So that's something I think that's, it's really come up for me a lot lately in, in terms of conversations, in terms of what I've seen in organizations and people who don't want to be managers, but they don't really feel like there's a choice or they don't really feel like they have a, an option to do something else. Absolutely. So do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. I was chatting to another friend of mine who's a coach the other day and we were talking about this exact um, issue. Within, I think it comes down to two things, really. So let me address the point you're making first, that we need to change what our traditional, uh, okay, so organizations are becoming flatter. So this whole hierarchical thing is a bit gone and the millennials and, and certainly younger employees don't want that. So it's going to be forced out whether today's leaders are ready for it or not. Um, but what we need to create is a different way that you uh, progress through an organization. So let's, for example, say Aoife and Fiona start on the same day and they have comparable skills and they start to move up. And Aoife turns out to be a more inspirational person, maybe more in- extroverted. Um, she's a very good communicator, uh, clearly a very good leader. She has vision and so forth. And maybe Fiona, on the other hand, is really technically excellent and so forth. They shouldn't be competing for the same career path. Maybe you say, well, we understand that we really need strong technical expertise and we're going to send you on this path. We're going to send Aoife on another, but you don't have to lose out because you don't want because you don't necessarily want to be a manager or we don't think that you will be an effective one. But you can still have a career path where you're progressing, where you're growing and where you're salary is growing as well because that's where most people go into management because to really have influence in an organization and to um, and to earn higher levels of wages or bonuses or whatever you're after typically you have to have a significant number of headcount but it often means that you're putting the wrong people in leadership positions and that's where it starts having an an impact on your bottom line because you need to be able to inspire the people that are in your team to deliver and that's going to lead to better engagement on their behalf but also it's going to lead to greater sales because they are they are more motivated they have a better connection with the um the clients that they deal with um, so it has a knock-on effect if we are lazy in terms of how we develop leaders and that we're not willing to differentiate between someone who is technically excellent and, and someone who is a born leader and, and we need both we can't run organizations just based on visionary and leaders alone um, but we need to be more courageous, I would think, in terms of how are we organizing our companies and our organizations and to make different decisions. I and mean, something I often say when I'm coaching leaders um, or I'm coaching, uh, sorry, say CEOs, for example, is don't be afraid of a blank sheet. Just because somebody's always done this in a certain way before does not mean it's going to work in the future. So start with what would this look like in an ideal world? OK, we mightn't get there immediately, but let's really be willing to make better decisions for our company um, and redefine. And it doesn't mean just because you're not becoming the head of a certain area that we 
don't value you in the same way. So then you empower people to say, actually, I know I'm technically good, but I've no interest in managing people. But I know that I still have a career path here as well. But again, that conversation then goes back to then you're talking about the senior leadership need to be brave enough to say we're willing to change our, our org chart effectively. So it's been like this for 50 years, but clearly that's not working anymore. So that's why I always say all roads lead back to leadership in terms of how brave and courageous will you be in the decisions that you make for how you structure your organization. That's absolutely true. A couple of things I wanted to reflect on. So you were saying about having a coach. I have a coach and a mentor and I think you can't call yourself a coach if you don't invest in yourself mm-hmm. like that for your own personal development and continue developing. So um, definitely agree on that. Everything, like, I mean, well, everything you're saying is like everything, everything comes back to the leader and you describe leaders as the architects of the organization. And it's just a collective of the personality of the organization effectively, mm-hmm. the corporate version of personality and you need to be brave enough to say we need to change. Mm-hmm. So how how do and, people start doing that? Yeah, and not outsource it because like, you know you see a lot of cultural transformation programs there where you know we need to do this, but we're going to send that off to the HR department and and hope that they come up with something and go about it. The starting point in real transformational leadership is transform yourself first. I mean, it does go back to you have to know yourself because you have to decide, okay, this is why I think my business is in operation and therefore I need to live that as the, as the leader of this company every day. Um, and if I'm... so. If I can live that and start to really make decisions based on that, and sometimes it means making hard decisions. Sometimes it means making decisions that will short-term cost the business, um, that will not necessarily be as profitable in the first year, but we're taking a um, we're taking a longer-term. Uh, viewpoint. Um, And we also recognize that that is aligning ourselves with the employees that we have, and that's what they want. Um, And there is a greater, um, obviously my own background is in investment. We are seeing that the stakeholders in your business are not quite as concerned about your bottom line as you were before. So you can ignore this if you want, but it's going to catch up on you because not only are your employees forcing you to make better decisions, your shareholders are going to do that. Your end customers are going to do that. So the starting point is to look at what are the barriers in me to making better decisions for my business. Um, And then I can filter that down. Then I can move on to my leadership team and work with them and help them to be better leaders for the the groups of people within my organization that they look after. Um, But it all comes back to you cannot outsource leadership or meaning and purpose. It starts within the group of people who are the main leaders within the organization. within within the organization. Now, as we both know, we're, we're coaches, so we've done the work ourselves and we help other people doing it. That's the hardest work you'll ever do, is, is tapping into yourself, getting to know yourself, looking at your strengths, weaknesses, what is holding you back, uh, where do I need to develop myself, for example. That's tough work and it doesn't happen overnight and it's an ongoing process as well. Um, but when you walk into an organization and you are that person every day, the organization starts to become like you. I really like that, actually. Yeah. So it's basically you're living the values and you're reflecting everything that you want the organization to be. You're living up to what you say um, you're living up to your word effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's just there is no other form of leadership in the 21st century. That's that's basically what 
is required now. So you kind of have to lean into it and say, okay, I'm willing to do the work here um, and I'm willing to understand this better and understand where I want this this company to go and recognize that maybe we're on this path and we need to be on one, two streets across. Um, and we understand there's a transition period, but we're willing to make the change. We're not just going to stay on this road because we chose it 20 years ago, that we're willing to make that change and to make the tough decisions that go around that. Um, and that's real meaning and purpose. I mean, that's really getting to the root of why are we here? Where are we going? What's our impact on the world? Um, like we're having a, we have huge environmental issues as well. That's going to lead to an awful lot of change. And meaning and purpose is very linked to that. Um, because my purpose should be, yes, why, why am I in business? But also how am I connected to the planet around me? Um, and that again is stakeholders are going to start asking you that question. And that's going to mean changes to how you run your business. And you're going to have to be courageous and brave and make those decisions. This is it. And it does come back to the, to being courageous and brave because as an individual, and I'm, I'm kind of taking it back to the individual level now, hmm. you're thinking to yourself right now, actually, I don't want to manage people and I am managing people. So how do I get out of that? Or I don't want to become a manager or I don't feel like I'm an inspiring leader. And I think, I don't know, is it a case that people are putting leadership as kind of a, a pedestal almost where it's what everyone aspires to is to be a good leader, but not everyone can be a leader and not everyone wants to be a leader and not everyone is good at it. Yeah, and I think that that comes back to the end. Okay, so we've talked about what organizations can do there. So create two different career paths, if you like. So more technical expertise versus, versus leadership. And then also as an individual, you can do some work there yourself and say, well, you know, if I prefer this work over here and I don't want to be a leader, I have to be brave enough to say that as well. And some of that's around like, you know, um, self-esteem and our ego and so on and so forth. We all want to be held in um, high esteem by our peers. So it can be very hard to say, well, they've asked me to do this job, but I'm going to turn it down because I know that my skills and my strengths lie over here and not necessarily in managing that team. Um, so the organization has to make that decision easy for me by making sure that I don't suffer necessarily financially because of that. But then I have to be willing to hold my hand up and say, I know who I am. I know what I'm good at. Um, I know where I want my career to go as well. So there's always a dual force between um, you as an individual and how you fit into um, the then the organizational culture that's there as well. Um, and I can see, I see responsibility on both sides. As individuals, we have control over our lives to a certain degree. I mean, we still, we all have to earn money and pay rent or mortgages and, and so on and so forth. That's a fact of life. But we do have agency in our lives. And I think that we need to look at that and say, OK, well, where do I want to go? Um, and then within organizations, then they obviously have a huge um, responsibility to make those decisions and create a culture that enables each person to turn up and, and to be their, their best self within, within the organization and to do the work that resonates with them most. And that's meaningful work. If I decide I want to do job B because that aligns with my strengths and my, where I place my own value, that is more meaningful for me then. Um, so there's always kind of there's always the tension between what the individual wants and the organization wants. And some of it has to be co-created, if you like, um, in terms of having open conversations and being willing to say there are different ways of doing things. Yeah, I can I can totally relate to that because I was in a similar position where I was offered a role, um, a more senior position, which I knew 
wasn't my strength, but I, I was kind of lured, I suppose, by promises of, oh, but it's a, it's a more senior position and you'd be managing a team and you would be peers with these other people rather than reporting to them. Mm-hmm. And it that kind of swayed me. I hadn't done the work at that stage and it really swayed me to, and it was a total ego thing, mm. absolutely ego. And I, I can see that now. And it was a mistake I made. So even as you progress through your career, it's knowing like that, the this sense of agency, so the sense of control that people have of, of their own careers, knowing what they're good at, knowing what that path looks like for them individually. And for me, the opportunity came up and I just thought, brilliant, this is a fantastic opportunity. And it, it was the same instance where I really wasn't working to my strength at all. Mm. And uh, I can I can reflect on that now and I can look back and say that was what the big issue was there. Uh, the company didn't have so much of a meaning for me anymore. And I really, the whole thing was that I wasn't working to my strengths. Can we talk a little bit more then about people's strengths and, and I suppose how to identify them and values as well? I think strengths and mm-hmm. values are two key things And I'm obsessed with this idea of fitting in in the workplace. And I think fitting in is becoming a bit of a a bad word at the moment. It's not about fitting in. It's it's because that implies that you're molding yourself. But it's about being your authentic self, bringing your whole self to work and being able to be yourself and still feel that great sense of belonging wherever you're working and a great sense of, of that meaning and purpose as well. But I actually think the story you just told is a great story of meaning in my life. So I, Aoife, made a decision. Um, I, I look back now and I say that that wasn't the right decision to make for me. I've reflected on that. I've learned from it. And I've probably made better, I probably make better career choices now. So that event turned up in my life um, to help me to make meaning out or to help me to make, make, make better decisions going forward. So Aoife has made meaning out of that event in her life, if you like. And I think that that's, that for me is a great example of personal meaning if you like if people are trying yeah. to sometimes we can talk about meaning and everybody's like what does that mean or like you know meaning and purpose yeah. what does that mean but that was a great example of meaning in Kabbalah oh, they would say why was that in my movie that was in my movie to teach me something yeah gold star for me then so in terms of strengths, so um, you know this, that strengths are something that we look at hugely in positive psychology. So we don't really believe in, I suppose, the old version of I'm not good at that. So I need to learn how to be super good at it. We're more in the field of everybody has universal strengths um, and you should figure out what your strengths are and focus on those because somebody else is going to be really good at what you're weak at yeah. um, and they should do that role, if you like. So there's a, a strengths test in positive psychology called the VIA. It's free to take. I always encourage everybody to take it um, and what it helps. yeah no it's fantastic and I have found it very beneficial for me and um, so for example my top strength is creativity um, and that would not surprise people that worked with me before or, or I hope some of my clients now because what I always do whether it was when I was in investment was taking sometimes complex ideas whether it was around what we were investing in or trends within the market and turn them into presentations that I could give at conferences that made it easily digestible and um, so I like to tell a story around things and my creativity really comes out there um, and in my personal life I like to write 
right. So that's, again, playing to my creativity. When I am doing work like that is when I am happiest. So when you are doing something that you're A, really good at and B, that you really enjoy, it automatically increases your happiness in life and your happiness within the workplace. And so I always use the creativity idea um, to, to demonstrate how that impacts me personally. And then obviously now I research topics which are a little bit esoteric sometimes, so spirituality, meaning in life and authenticity, which you've mentioned as well. Um, and what I love to do then is to create a story around those and to, when I'm speaking, to help people to understand what they are um, and how um, how they can use them within their life. So that's an example of, of me using strengths within my own life. Um, within organizations, what you can do is basically allow teams to be strength tests, to, to do the strength test. And then as a leader, maybe you're the manager of a, a an organ, of a particular team, you can say, well, how can I actually make your job spec more aligned with the strengths that you have? Instead of just saying, oh, well, I have 10 um, team members and here was job specs we created 10 years ago and you do that and I do this. To look at your team as a whole and say, well, actually, Aoife is really good at this and Brian over there is really good at that. Let's change the jobs that they do slightly to play on their strengths. What that will do is make it easier a for them to do their job because they're playing on strengths that they already have and um, it will make their work more fulfilling for them um, and it will also make their work more meaningful for them so it's it's been scientifically shown that the more you play to your strengths the more meaningful your life becomes so the more meaningful that your work becomes as well and um, so i'm a big fan of strengths and using your strengths and it also feels good um, I like to stretch myself. I like to do new things, but it also feels very good to do things in life that you're naturally good at. You know, we, we all want that uh, that feeling of succeeding as well. So um, I think it's something that's really not recognized enough within within people themselves. Again, going back to individual responsibility, you can take that strengths test online and, and work with a coach if you want to in terms of how can my strengths play a greater role in my life. Uh, but then within organizations, that's a resource to use in terms of ensuring that you have the correct fit for the correct role within your organization um, and it leads to less tension as well because people are more naturally going to succeed within the roles that they have within that organization um, and then around values I think this really links back to to meaning and purpose so values are basically what do I find important in life and an individual level um, and then the extension of that is as an organizational level what do we value um, and it could be that we value autonomy, we value creativity, our purpose is to do X. Um, and then when, when an organization is clear on their values, and again, we're getting to territory here where a lot of these terms are overused by corporates, but they don't actually live it. Um, so you need to define your values, you need to define what your purpose is, and then each individual employee can decide whether that um organization aligns with the values that they have for themselves. The clearer we all are in terms of who we are and how we come into the world, the easier it is for us to match ourselves with an organization that suits um, our feeling of purpose. Because purpose goes really goes back to, yeah, my own purpose in life, but we all want to feel like we belong to something bigger, that we're having an impact on the broader uh, world as well. Nobody wants to feel like they go into work and they do stuff and there's no real impact to this. And um, so purpose is around A, why does the organization exist, but also what is what is the impact of the organization and how is that feeding down to, I turn up from nine to five every Monday and Friday. So how am I as an individual impacting the purpose of the organization? 
organisation and, and as a result, serving the greater good in terms of society and the world around us. Yeah, I mean, there's so much that I want to pick up on there yet again. I have taken the, the VIA uh, Strengths Finder test and from memory, I think what came out very strongly for me was problem solving and learning. Mm. They're the kind of two things and they seem to be common themes in my life where I I see everything as a problem. And I mean that in a positive sense. I mean, I can identify mm-hmm. when things go wrong. I can identify what needs to happen to in order to fix stuff. And I can do that quite quickly. And that's something that that really plays to my strengths. Um, given my background in, in data analytics and, you know, analyzing data and market research, that that's where I was really playing to my strengths. And I loved my job for years, for years. The other one is around learning. So I'm doing a master's at the moment in um, organizational behavior. Mm-hmm. And I love to do research and I love to learn about things. And I have this kind of insatiable curiosity about me. I, I just love learning new things. And that's really helped me to focus on what is it that I want from my life, from my career, from what I, and if you break it down to, and this is how I like to, to break it down. How would you like to spend your day? Mm. What would you like to be doing? Because you know, and it, maybe it ties in a little bit with mindfulness and we're getting a little bit woo now. Um, but we only have this present moment. And how would you like to spend that time? How would you like to spend that moment? Absolutely. And you I know? don't think that that's woo at all. But why would I? I research spirituality as part of my job. So <laughs> I'm very interested <laughs> in these uh, topics. But I think that is the essence of it. Like, you know, how do you want to spend your life of which work is one part of that? So you might as well be yeah. doing things that you really enjoy. Um, and yeah. learning is beautiful. So it's an end into itself. Like, you know, you're you're doing the master's. OK, it, it, it obviously it feeds into your career as well. But you're also doing it because you enjoy it. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and life is about like, I mean, meaning and purpose that can be very heavy topics. But ultimately, what we're all looking for is a nice life that we enjoy it as well. So identifying your strengths, like I would never some of my strengths in hindsight, it's very obvious, but I probably wouldn't have been uh, fully aware that it was such a strength in my life. So being aware of them almost, I kind of go, oh, you know, I've really high social intelligence, so I'm going to make sure I use that more. Like, you know, so it feeds into kind of even career decisions I make or the type of work I like to do. And again, going back to like, you know, I like to speak. So um, I try to recognize that some of my strengths are playing into that. And I lean into that more and I say, no, I want to do more of that work. Um, so it, it's a very powerful tool, um, both individually and collectively in terms of creating the life that you want, because nobody wakes up and says, I have everything clear Um I know exactly what I want all the time. We're always looking for different tools to help us to make better decisions to live the life that we want. And you will know this as as a coach that you go through your own journey of trying to figure out who you are and how you want to live in the world. And that's always ongoing as well. So anything like this that can help you get clearer on what your values are, what your strengths are, what your own personal meaning is or narrative is about your life will then help you to make better decisions both in life and in work. And something I'm always stressing is I get asked about meaningful work a lot um, and I think it's really important and, and I love I like working so like you know I I I it's very important to me that I do work that I like because I, I quite enjoy working but equally you have to make a meaningful life as well and um, because I think one of the pe- reasons that people were having this kind of 
vacuum of meaning and purpose is we're putting too much uh, emphasis on the workplace to deliver it for us. And so there are many other sources of meaning in your life, like relationships, free time. What are your hobbies? What do you like to read? And all of those things can create meaning in your life as well. So it doesn't have to be all about work, even though we do spend at least 40 hours there every week. So that's an important part, no doubt. But I think that the more meaningful you make your life, it's easier for your work to feel meaningful as well, because you're not putting this huge amount of pressure on it to deliver all the meaning in your life. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much there that I uh, love to just talk about in a little bit more detail. But um, I want to start with this idea of hindsight and looking back. And you're absolutely right. Like there is probably times where I vaguely knew what I was good at. I knew what I was good at in school. Uh, I knew what I was good at when it came to work, but I didn't think of that as a strength. Um, Especially if you think about strengths of what are you good at compared to everything else that you do? What are you best at? Mm -hmm. And then looking at compared to other people, what are you good at compared to how other people are at that? And using that to really identify your strengths. But I never, it wasn't until probably in the last five years, maybe, that I really grasped what I'm really, really, really good at. And it comes easily and naturally to me that doesn't necessarily come easily and naturally to other people. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really want to focus on. You know, stretch myself to get better at what it is that I'm doing, but do something that I naturally am good at and enjoy. Um, The other area was around really being aware and using that awareness to make better career decisions and create the life you want. Um, We talked earlier about being clear and authentic. So that's like to me, that comes back again to the whole hiring and being really honest when you're hiring people about what you're hiring them into, Mm -hmm. what problems exist in the organization and why you're hiring them and be really transparent about the kind of culture that is there. Even if you feel the culture is not great, but you want to make improvements and these are the improvements um, that you're making in order to make that happen. And equally for someone who is interviewing for a role, it's about being honest about why you want to work there and and the, what you're bringing to the table as well. So, you know, I, I, I feel that people, and I use the example of interview situations because I feel that people can often be very inauthentic in those situations mm-hmm. because it's such a pressured environment and it's such a, I really want to leave my job or I'm really desperate for a job. And you'll say anything to get your foot in the door, basically. Yeah. Um, Like uh, someone could be trying to fill a role and it's taking ages or they want to hire someone really quickly. So they'll, they'll kind of try and play the card of like, oh, we just need to get someone in quickly. Mm. So I think that what it goes back to here in both in terms of the hiring manager and the individual is brave decisions. Um, So the first person that you need to be honest with is yourself and to figure out, and you mightn't even know the answer to that. It's not like I could say to you, Aoife, what do you want in five years time? You might need to go away and think about that. So the first thing you need to do as the individual who's looking for the job is to get honest with yourself about what you really want. Um, And then to put a plan in place for this is the type of job I want. And maybe that's not going to happen for two years. That's fine. Like we all, as I said earlier, we all need 
need to to make ends meet in the meantime. Maybe you need to do a job that's not perfect for you in the meantime. But the more honest you get and the more authentic you are with yourself, the easier it is to try and create that authenticity in, in your life and in your work. Um, and something you said earlier about the hiring manager who says, you know, we're not perfect and we have this problem, we have that problem. I love to hear of that in interviews because that shows self-awareness from an organizational level as well. That we, If you know you have problems and you're willing to tell somebody who you are recruiting, that tells me that you're probably going to do something about it as well. Um, so I, I love the word truth. I always think like, you know, what's the, what's the bottom line here? What's the truth? And if you can kind of get down as much as possible to the brass tacks of what's going on, um, I think that then you make better decisions both individually and, and from an organization level as well. Um, and to trust that the right thing will come for you if you're clear about what you want as well. Absolutely. And I think everything that we spoke about today, it really comes back to being human mm-hmm. and bringing the human back into the workplace and that it's OK to do that. It's OK to show that level of vulnerability and it's OK to be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that goes back. That's where really culture comes in, because um, like authenticity is a research area of mine as well. It's very linked to meaning and purpose. Um, And again, we throw these topics around in the workplace and what we've done is we've sanitized them so they're meaningless anymore. So people talk about meaning and purpose in the workplace, but they have no idea what that means and they're definitely not delivering on it. Um, And people talk about bring your whole self to work and be authentic. But unless you're creating a culture where that's okay, um, it's not going to happen. Like I joke with people and I say, you know, you see on Instagram, be yourself. And I always say, we don't mean that. We mean be yourself in a a way that makes the rest of us feel comfortable <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like, you're absolutely right authenticity just like it's such a transformational space to be able to just be yourself without worrying about what people think and am I doing it right or Aoife's doing it in a different way to Fiona all of that it's a very powerful place to be in but it's also an incredibly vulnerable place to be in um, and I've gone on my own authentic journey if you like you know I've gone through an awful lot of change in the last um, three or four years um, and obviously I worked in investment for a long time, which is a completely different discipline. And I was well respected within that. Um, so then I decided I really wanted to research something that I was passionate about. And I'm very passionate about spirituality because it's a, a growing theme globally to choose your own spirituality over religion. And it has a huge impact on meaning and purpose and authenticity. But for me to say that openly in my professional network was a very vulnerable position to be in when I had built a career on being um, somebody who was an expert in, in the investment world. So I can personally say that to be your authentic self is very empowering. Um, and I'm very glad that I do both now and, and people are really interested in it. But actually getting to the point where I was willing to share that and be and go on podcasts and talk about it was a journey for me in itself. So I always think authenticity is not necessarily a um a, a defined state of being i think it's part of our life journey to to lean into who we are more and be comfortable that's who we are in the world even if people think we should do something else as well and um, so it does go back to the tension between the individual and the organizational as well. Organizations need to create cultures where they say, we want you to bring your whole self to work because we know that that is going to A, make you happier, but B, you're probably going to bring skills that you might have been hiding anyway. And, and we don't want that. We want we want you to be here and be the whole person that you are. But individually, we go on a journey then and we have to be willing to be more vulnerable and put ourselves out there and take risks and get it wrong and, and all of those things that we are naturally scared of because human beings 
machines love certainty. And um, so we, we sometimes run away from authenticity because it's just too exposing for us as well. So um, I'm a big proponent of it. I think that it is one of the most fundamental things you can do for yourself is be as authentic as possible. But I tell this story because I always think it's important to, to recognize that it's hard. And I tell my own story because I'm like, I hear you people. It, it is hard. It's not always easy to turn up as yourself in the, in the workplace. And sometimes people don't react well to it. Um, and you have to be, I suppose, strong enough in yourself to be okay with the fact that if you show your full self, that somebody else might react to it in a way that's not supportive. Um, so there's always that tension between, as I said, the, the Instagram tagline, be yourself until somebody reacts and says, oh no, not like that. Like, you know, so you have to kind of, you have to, you have to build yourself up to do it as well. And to be able to kind of go, because authenticity is about being yourself and not caring too much what other people think. And that's really hard too. Like, you know, so, because we do live in communities and society so mm. fear of judgment is a huge thing totally totally yeah brilliant so Fiona I mean I could sit here and talk to you all day long but <laughs> not just the time here um so I'd love to know what makes you happier at work Sure. So um, a big reason for me to make change in my life was, not, I mentioned earlier on, I really loved my job and I was quite good at it. And I, I got on very well with my colleagues and, and, and had great relationships with clients. Um, but I'm interested in many things, which probably came across as I was talking today. Um, and I'm quite creative. And I realized that it wasn't a case of I need to just change career for the sake of it. I needed to have space in my life to explore all the dimensions of myself. So I still like to do uh, work for companies around um, investment and so forth. I coach people. And then I also do a huge amount of, of research and writing and speaking on these topics. So for me, a happy life for me is a fulfilled life where I'm using my strengths and able to be interested in many different topics all the time and having the time to do that. So being self-employed was ultimately around time for me to explore all the things I'm interested in and to explore myself, I guess, a, a little bit more as well. Um, and if I can do that uh, and make a positive impact on, on people and the world around me, um, I always try to think about like, how is anything I'm doing? Um, positively impacting somebody else because I don't think it's enough to have a fulfilled life as an individual unless it's making an impact for other people um, and I get to spend time with friends and family that's 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 the good life for me so and I don't have it every day I have the same struggles that other people have the same worries that other people have but that's I suppose the aim for myself and I try to remind myself of that on a regular basis that that's what I'm looking for. Great. And if people want to reach out to you, what is the best way to go about doing that? Sure. So my website is www.fionaenglishpp.com, the PP for positive psychology. Um, people tend to come to me, as I said, I do a lot of speaking work around these topics and people come to me for, for coaching, for example, um, and they can email me directly. So it's fiona at fionaenglishpp.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. I really, really enjoyed our chat. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed you asking me. That was Fiona English talking about meaning and purpose in work. So I wanted to summarize what we spoke about because we covered quite a bit. Now, we started by talking about meaning and Fiona mentioned that meaning is about coherence. So that's making sense or turning what you experience into a story. Purpose or having core goals, that's giving direction to your life. And then the significance that events have within your life as well. 
We spoke about leadership and a couple of times Fiona said that all roads lead back to leadership and I have to agree. We spoke about self-awareness as being really, really crucial ingredient for strong leadership, especially in the 21st century, that every leader needs a coach and leadership is about inspiration, understanding and connection. And it's also about being brave and making those courageous decisions. Oftentimes, there could be wrong people in leadership positions. So we did start talking about leading versus managing. And not everyone is a good leader. Within businesses, there should be two career paths. So there'll be technical expertise, if you like. And then the other option is to have to become a manager uh, or a leader. We also spoke about individual agency or that is having control over what you do and realizing that as an individual, you are the one who's in control of what it is that you're doing. We spoke about having co-created conversations. So working together, individuals and leaders working together to really help people to work on what is their their strengths and and really the areas that they should be working on and help people to be their best self at work. We spoke about change and how we shouldn't be outsourcing change. So oftentimes leaders will outsource stuff, whether it's internally and, you know, kind of passing things off to the HR team or whether it's externally and hiring consultants to manage the change process, which often doesn't work. Uh, We spoke also about looking to transform yourself first, making those hard decisions. And sometimes they are hard. And sometimes you have to say, for the sake of the long term, we need to take a hit in the short term. We spoke about strengths and values as well. I'll put a link to in the show notes to the VIA strengths test, because if you haven't taken it, it's definitely worth taking. We spoke about playing to your strengths. And when people play to their strengths, they have more meaning in work and it feels good just to feel successful and to achieve something that you really, really enjoy. Values then is being really clear about who you are and what you're about, what's really, really important to you and being honest about that as an organisation, as an individual. We spoke about having a meaningful life. So oftentimes there's a lot of emphasis placed on work and a lot of meaning placed on work and and then we get disappointed. So it's about having an all-rounded life and doing things that you enjoy outside of work as well, which gives your life meaning. We also spoke about the human workplace and I suppose being truthful and having trust in the process, being authentic at work, leaning into who we are in the world, taking risks, Sometimes authenticity can be too exposing and it's really easy to get caught up in the fear of what other people think and it's about not caring what others think, which it's easy to say that, but it's actually much harder to put it into practice. But it's also really important. So that wraps up another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I really hope you enjoyed. This was the second episode in the leadership series. And as always, I'd love to hear your feedback. You will find me on LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien. You'll also find me on Twitter, empowerment underscore IE. I also run a Facebook group called Happier at Work, which is connected to the podcast. So you'll also find me there. 
If you've made it this far, I want to express my thanks and say I really appreciate you listening. I know there are lots and lots of other podcasts out there, so I really appreciate you taking the time and listening to my podcast. Tune in next week. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to the Happier at Work podcast with Aoife O'Brien. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and don't forget to rate and review the podcast.